Welcome to the EchoCast for the last time. More on that shortly. It's not what you think. A podcast about video game news, speculation, rumors, and reviews. I am your host, Morgan, aka Bon Diesel, and this week I'll be covering big changes coming to the podcast, Starfield review codes out in the wild, some Mass Effect 4 quote unquote news, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button, and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A special thank you to all of my patrons, including producer-level patrons, Hassan and Horseman, supporter-level patrons, PK, The Dawn, Cade Nephilim, and Neuronix, as well as viewer-level patron, Zinra. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bondiesel. Gaming news this week, we have eight topics. And first, we're going to kick it off with the podcast changes. I typically save content updates for the end, uh, but this is a big one, so let's talk about it. I'm not ending the podcast. It's not going anywhere, uh, maybe against better judgment at times. But what I did uh, decide, it was actually um, inspired by a a tweet I had received from someone who said, you know, maybe rebrand and... And my first reaction was like, no, it's been the Echo Cast forever. It's the Echo Cast. And then the more I thought about it and the more I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, that's not a bad idea. The thing about the Echo Cast is it started in 2018. Uh, you know, it's getting to be at this point, it's around five and a half years old. Uh, and for the first like three years or so, I never missed a week. I had an episode every single week for a really long time. Then life intervened a baby, COVID, so on and so forth. And what happened a couple years ago is I decided to make it a more general gaming podcast. If you're newer to the podcast, especially in the last year or two, you may not know that this podcast, even though I've talked about it, started off as a Division One podcast, uh, The Division by Ubisoft. Uh, I, I was, um, and I still am, a huge fan of that franchise. Um, and that actually is where I got started with my content creation or whatever you want to call this stuff that we do. And, um, you know, through various means and ways, I got to know uh, people on the dev team, people in the, uh, the community development side of things. Um, it started off with like, um, screenshots I would post on Twitter and, uh, build guides, believe it or not, um, that I did. Uh, and then I started streaming and I started streaming with some other people who were like fairly well known in that community. And it got to the point where I was like, I have a voice. I want to talk. I, I think people will listen. And they did. Uh, and you know, the, the podcast has never been huge, huge. Um, it got big, at least from my context around the release of division two. Um, it peaked at a few thousand listens an, an episode for a, a while, a, a good while actually. Um, and then it fell off as the division two kind of, you know, slowed down. And as, as that game situation developed and, um, I, I don't, 
you know, I, I changed some of the branding and like the colors of the podcast, like the logos and obviously the content. Now, if you listen every week, you'll know that I talk about the division relatively often. Um, you just have to realize that for multiple years, every episode I recorded was only the division. And, you know, during the, the lead up to division two, there was normally always something to talk about or at least speculate on. Um, but that, you know, slowly faded, uh, after division two came out, uh, you know, content wasn't coming out super fast for that. Um, a division three is many, many years out, um, which I will obviously talk about when that becomes a thing. But, um, I just, I've really enjoyed making this kind of a general podcast. Uh, I actually remember the first episode that wasn't a division only episode. And it was, uh, the week that the mass effect legendary edition came out for the original trilogy, the, uh, the remaster, that was the week, um, that I enjoyed that experience so much. It made me decide to ditch the division only podcast and, um, and it was rough going for a, a minute. You could tell people weren't a big fan of the change. Uh, my listens dropped down to, uh, low double digits, uh, for a short minute. Um, and then climb back up to where they are now, where it's, you know, like low ish, medium, triple digits, which is fine with me. Um, again, if, if this was supposed to be my career, I would obviously probably give it up, but it's a hobby. I enjoy talking. Um, and, and that's, that kind of takes me to the rebrand. So starting next week with the 250th episode, this is 249 that you're listening to now. Uh, this podcast will be rebranded from uh, the Echo Cast, a video game podcast, to the Bonfire, a video game podcast. And uh, this name came directly from uh, Jay Lorg. Um, uh, at least that's the name that I know him by. He's an Ubisoft massive dev that's working on the Avatar game, I believe. And. Uh, my original idea was like the bond cast and things like that, which would have been fine. And that's why I was going to go with, I, I had already started on branding and stuff for that. And, uh, and then I posted it to my Twitter and, um, and, and he dropped that just, uh, just like perfect, perfect name for the podcast. Uh, and the reason I like it is because, uh, this podcast being a solo podcast, if you don't listen to a lot of other podcasts, you may not know, but solo podcasts are not only not very common, I think they're basically non-existent. Um, you know, most podcasts have co-hosts or interview someone every single week. And, um, I would love to do those things. I would love to have a co-host. I would love to interview someone every week. But the simple fact is, is that with a full-time job, a family, especially a young child. Um, you know, the fact that I do like to make videos and stream and do stuff other than this podcast, it's just not realistic for me to always, um, have, uh, you know, a guest on or coordinate with a co-host. I, I record this podcast roughly every Friday evening. Uh, but it, um, and then it goes up early on Patreon. Um, and you know, but sometimes it, it, I record at nine at night. Sometimes I record at two in the afternoon. Sometimes I record at 11 o'clock at night. It just depends on what's going on. Sometimes it's Saturday morning and I just simply can't expect a co-host to deal with that one. 
and two, you know, guests are hard enough to schedule anyways. If you go through my catalog, I have interviewed a decent number of people, um, but, you know, doing it every week is just not realistic for me. So I like the bonfire again, getting back to that because it's this podcast in my head is kind of like me just sitting around talking to some friends um, and it's obviously a one-sided conversation. A big focus I want to have after this rebrand is really, really pushing the whole idea of getting feedback and getting um, questions or commentary from the people who do listen because it's a decent number of people. It's, um, you know, it's a few hundred people who listen every week. And the last time I looked, um, something like my retention is like, Something like I'd have to look again, but it was like 75 to 80 percent of people listen all the way to the very end. And like, that's pretty good. You know, I'll take it. You know, that's um, that's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously, I would love if, you know, thousands of people listen to this every week and, um, you know, maybe we can work our way up to there one day. You know, it's already been five years, so we'll see. But um, it's it's still it's cool. Uh, to know that the people who do listen really listen. And so, you know, if you're listening right now, thank you. Uh, you're the reason that this isn't the end of the echo cast, but it's a new beginning, uh, for the bonfire. So, um, I really want to push kind of a cozy feel. I'm probably going to change up, uh, the, the background music and stuff. If you can even hear it, I've actually never uh, gotten any feedback on that. There, there should be background music. That's very quiet. Uh, but you'd probably have to be listening to it pretty loud to hear it. Uh, I'll be switching some of that stuff up more than likely, uh, to, to try to give a little bit different of a feel. I, I probably need to change like the intro music and stuff like that. And the outro, uh, which is a bummer because, um, the, 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 the intro song is, uh, something that, uh, someone custom made, obviously inspired the division. It's by the division. It's, if you listen, it's not an actual division track. It is a original track. Someone made for me literally like four years ago. Um, and I'll have to figure that stuff out. So, you know, there, there, there will be a transition period here. So some things may not change, but most will. I'm going to update uh, the, the Twitter. I actually, I have a, uh, a threads account ready uh, for uh, the, the bonfire. I have the Instagram account ready. Um, I'll obviously be changing the branding and such of the, uh, the cover art and of the actual podcast itself. I'm going to do it a day or two after this episode releases. So people see this episode and, and recognize it. Uh, and then we'll go into that transition. So it may be a little weird for a minute. I'm, I'm a little afraid I'm going to get some, uh, D subs, uh, from people. Um, but, but hopefully not, hopefully people listen and understand what's going on. I think the, the last big thing I'm excited about with it is that I feel like kind of renaming this and, um, I can kind of bring it more into the branding of my YouTube channel and my, um, you know, streaming and stuff like that. Uh, I feel like the, the podcast has always been such a separate venture from that because it's got completely different branding. Its name is separate entirely. There's no connection. Now it's, you know, bond diesel on everything. And then the bonfire for the podcast. And, um, uh, one homage to the division I do plan on doing is at least for the time being, 
um, doing um, the Division Orange, uh, like the official color or close to it uh, for most of my branding uh, and the logo and so on. So uh, you may notice that uh, that's my little homage to the division where this podcast began and uh, I guess a way for me to, uh, in my head, uh, not forget my roots uh, and where this podcast began. So. So that's what's going on with that. If you're, um, if you have any questions, commentary, thoughts, uh, let me know in all the, the usual places in the YouTube comments and the Discord. Uh, there's a link tree link in the comment um, down in the in the comments or um, down in the description of the podcast or the video, and you can go there and and find all the places that you can get a hold of me. I think my email address is even in there, uh, or you can get it on YouTube. So let me know what you're thinking. Uh, you know. I'm, I'm open. Uh, ears are open. I'm happy to get feedback and uh, I'm excited to have a little change. I, I just think that uh, the bonfire is just such a good name, man. Uh, it, it makes me feel I, I hate that I didn't think of it myself. And uh, luckily I'd got it in writing that Jay's okay with me using it. So he can, uh, he can't pull back on me now. Getting into some actual gaming news, the second story here is Starfield review codes are out in the wild. So uh, the first thing I will um, confirm is that I do not have a code. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, sent, I'm signed up on the Bethesda press portal. I harassed all of the Bethesda North American PR people uh, and got a response. And they gave me the link to a Google form uh, where you sign up and um, request a review code. And that did not come through, unfortunately. So supposedly I've seen rumors that they're putting these things out in waves. So there's a chance that maybe I'll be someone who gets it closer to the actual release of the game. It's fine either way. I would love to have been able to do like a, you know, I think it's the 31st at noon uh, Eastern time is when those reviews, uh, the embargo lifts. Uh, I would love to be one of the people uh, that gets to release my video or a special podcast or something. And if I get access uh, early in, in these waves or something, I will still do that. Um, but if it doesn't happen, that's fine. Um, I, I'm just... I'm really hyped for Starfield. I, I really think, I, I really believe that this game is, you know, kind of getting slept on a little bit, which is funny because I've seen people be like, oh, the hype for this game is too much. I'm like, I actually think the hype is kind of low, low, low key. If you think about what it is, it's a current gen or next gen, whatever you want to call it. Bethesda title that's a mainline game obviously everyone everyone dunks on Fallout 76 even though it was kind of a weird spin-off side project thing uh, and it had issues when it came out but it's actually pretty good now um it's a new IP from Bethesda for the first time in a really long time and it's a it's a space action adventure RPG that's made by Bethesda that's gonna have that those Bethesda quirks and charms and stuff like I just really, you know, and it's not because Baldur's Gate three came out, you know, a few weeks ago. I, I don't think that's why people are sleeping on it. Um, unfortunately, I really do believe a big part of the, um, the, the, the not lack of hype. There is hype, but, um, I think it's because it's an Xbox game now. Um, that obviously has soured a lot of people and I get it. I understand um, that that probably sucks if you're, a PlayStation gamer, 
I, I have a little less sympathy knowing that, you know, the, the rumors are, or at least that Sony was trying to lock up uh, Starfield for itself uh, as an exclusive. And knowing that even though it's an Xbox exclusive, it's going to be day and day on PC. And if it was a Sony exclusive, it wouldn't be on PC for a year or more. So um, I'm glad that that worked out the way it did. Obviously, it would probably be best if it was its own. Uh, it was multi-platform and, and it wasn't restricted. But um, I also believe, and I think that Todd Howard has even confirmed this, one the, the lead on the game and of Bethesda, that it's I'm fairly certain if Starfield was a Bethesda property completely still, it probably would have been out like a year and a half ago and it probably would have been a crap show when it came out. It eventually would have been awesome. Um, but I really do think that Xbox kind of probably put the reins on them a little bit and said, hey, this thing needs to come out in like proper condition, right? Like, you know, we can't do the normal Bethesda jank thing where it comes out. Modders fix the game first, then the devs come through and fix it eventually. And then they go from there and then you have a, a Skyrim or Fallout 3 or, or even Fallout 4 um, where, you know, they're pretty beloved years later. But, you know, their releases were always a bit weird. Um, so... Yeah, Starfield, those codes are out in the wild. Um, the 31st at noon Eastern time is when they're going to be able to drop the reviews. Um, uh, one of the funny things I've seen is um, Paris Lilly, who's part of Kind of Funny and Gamer Ta was it Gamer Tag Radio, I believe. Um, he tweeted that he had a code and he was playing. And then he, I, I still think, still hasn't tweeted like more than 24 hours later and so I, I think actually he did this morning and it was uh it was like a gif of someone waking up and looking all rattled uh implying that he was up all night playing starfield so um they're they're all gonna tease all these people who have codes um they're not gonna reveal anything uh of of substance because that's you know they signed an nda they can't do that um there are spoilers out there i've heard i've been avoiding everything it's i feel like I know enough about Starfield that I'm super hyped for it, but I know so little. I don't really know like how the game's going to start, how it's going to go. I don't feel like I know anything about the story, and maybe that's not just me. Maybe that's everyone. Um, but I just... Uh, yeah, th this is cool, man. It, 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 it's a big deal, and I don't think it's really going to hit until it hits, until it comes out, right? Um, my My honest prediction is that I think it's going to be end up being probably like a 90 Metacritic score. I, I've seen, you know, there's been pundits and journalists saying for years now, like, oh, this game better be a 10 out of 10 or else Xbox is probably like, no, that's not true. Uh, an eight, like an eight out of 10 for this game would be acceptable, but a little underwhelming. Um, I, I think a nine out of 10 is, is, is the goal. And, um, you know, early whisperings and stuff seem to indicate that may be realistic. Um, you know, obviously like a nine, five or a 10 out of 10 from any outlets really would be really cool. And, and it may be possible. So we'll have to see. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping I'm still hoping I still have hope that I may end up getting a code. Uh, I'm not counting on it at this point, but it would be pretty awesome. And if I do, uh, I will be able to say I have one, but that's obviously it. So uh, if you're worried about spoilers, you know, keep your head down, maybe ignore some of the places that were that those tend to crop up uh, for the next couple weeks and uh, then, you know, jump in on the 31st or as I think it's the fifth when it actually comes out uh, and, and we'll get to you know dive into this uh, awesome new game.
Uh, the third story is just kind of my ongoing thoughts about Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I am in the, I think, the beginning stages of the third act. Um, and honestly, I've lost a little bit of interest. It's it's nothing to do with the game. It's um, I, I've been enjoying the Tarkov, you know, new wipe, the new update. Uh, I am getting pretty hyped for Starfield. And that's just like in the back of my mind. Um, I have hit a place in Baldur's Gate where I can tell I'm getting towards the end. Um, but some of the things I want to do before I wrap the game up are proving to be um, a little beyond my current character's reach. And so I need to do a little bit of leveling, a little bit of grinding, and I don't want to. <laughs> and so I'm taking a little break. I still intend on finishing uh, at least my, my first playthrough before Starfield releases. Um, I already have a second character started, which I started on stream. Uh, it's, a, it's a human paladin. Um, I'm actually excited about because the paladin is the most popular class and uh, the uh, the ranger which i picked uh, is not <laughs> so i'm curious I'm, I'm assuming the paladin is very powerful uh, and they have their the whole oath thing that you have to kind of keep in mind playing as a paladin that i think will be uh, bring an interesting dynamic and i think it will um uh, make another playthrough one day interesting i suspect after a you know after a few weeks or a month or two of starfield uh with some tarkov sprinkled in i will uh, be ready to you know take a break and play some other games and i suspect Baldur's gate 3 is where that's going to come even though i have to admit i've been having some mass effect uh cravings lately so i do have a, a human centric playthrough there i need to finish up so uh, it looks like my uh, near to medium future is uh, Starfield, Baldur's Gate 3, Tarkov, uh, you know, some Division 2, some Mass Effect, some Battlefield 2042. But uh, Baldur's Gate did have an interesting situation this week where they put out an update and it messed up people's saves like real bad. And so they pulled the update back. Uh, now they've redeployed it and it should be fixed up. Uh, but uh, that, that caused some issues. Um, I think it, the conversation around Baldur's Gate 3 is interesting because I think you're seeing more and more people um, getting to Act 3 and getting, you know, other than the freaks who are like, I'm 110 hours in and still in Act 1, you have problems. Like, I'm kind of kidding, but not entirely. Um, I, I think Act 2 and what I've seen of Act 3 are still like really good. You can just definitely tell that Act 1 got three years of player testing and Act 2 and 3 didn't. And so that there's, you know, there's pacing issues. There's, you know, various issues like that. There's some characters in the game who aren't very well fleshed out, especially in, two, in, in the, the second and third act. Um, the general, I, I've been reading some as non-spoilery as they can be. Um, thoughts on the endings and stuff like that and that there, it sounds like the ending of the game is kind of underwhelming and to say the least uh, so I think that as that stuff rolls around you may see the conversation around Baldur's Gate 3 go from like this is a masterpiece the greatest game ever made to I think more people are going to be like wow this is like a really really good game that maybe didn't quite finish uh, as well as people wanted but is still like excellent and very good and deserving of praise and awards and things like that so um I, you know, again, I've really enjoyed this game. I, I love the characters. The first um, uh, love interest I went for was Shadowheart, uh, and uh, I took her down like a good path. There's, you know, different um, long term uh, 
situations that she can get into. Um, but the, I, I, it seems like I've taken the like righteous path or the good path with her and she's become, I, I've liked her character since the start, but I, I really like her character now. She's, um, reminds me a lot of Tally from Mass Effect where, um, she's, you know, she's very sweet. Um, the, 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 the way that they wrote her character is very endearing and very charming. Um, and she's also like kind of scary, <laughs> so uh, incapable was. So that's that's kind of what reminds me of Tally. So Baldur's Gate three, great game. You know, I'm sure I'll probably stop talking about it here fairly soon, if not this week. And uh, but I, I suspect it'll be cropping up. One thing to know about this dev, at least from what I've seen, uh, it seems like people talking about uh, Baldur's Gate three who were fans of uh, Larian Studios' previous games has kind of pointed out like, hey. You know they tend to release their games in like decent shape but very incomplete um and then about a year or more from now they'll probably release like a definitive edition of baldur's gate 3 that's gonna have like the second and third act being a lot more fleshed out and probably having you know more endings and and maybe even more classes that you can play as and stuff so and they the, the people who are fans of the studio seem to be pretty heavily implying like this this game, you know, in, in a year or so is actually probably going to look quite different in that it's, you know, the, the second and third acts that are very good anyways uh, are probably going to get better because there's lots of things that they have probably left on the cutting room floor that at least in previous games they've added back in once they had time to finish uh, to the point where uh, Act 3 has um, multiple really large and detailed locations and supposedly there's a a whole nother location that got cut like literally in the last couple months of the game before it came out that um there, there was supposed to be this whole other uh part of the game and and which likely had um some you know expansion um of some story and stuff like that for various characters so i'll be on the lookout for that stuff i suspect uh baldur's gate 3 is going to be a game that i'll be kind of revisiting here and there over the years uh, uh while we wait for Story number four, Mass Effect 4. Uh, the news I have for that isn't really news. It is some desperate clickbait. Uh, you know, take any anything I can get to talk about Mass Effect. Uh, Mike Gamble tweeted this week. And so he had tweeted, I believe, last week about Baldur's Gate 3 and being like, man, this is like so inspirational. This game's amazing. Uh, you know, really kind of throwing out there that like, you know, at least paraphrasing, but like, yeah, we want to do this. Like, this is awesome. Um, then this week, uh, Shinobi 602, I believe is a pretty prominent gaming commentator, uh, and OG and very well-known Mass Effect fan, uh, basically said, uh, posted the trailer from 2020 and was like, I watch this weekly and it gets me hyped. Uh, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And Mike Gamble quote tweeted him today or in the last couple days and said like, Hey, we'll try to do, we'll try to do right by you. Um, and then some people asked some questions down in the comments and down in the replies. And there was something like, you know, like, are we going to, you know, is Liara happy with where the game, you know, when the game, this next game is taking place and Gamble gave his typical vague reaction. And, um, and then someone asked like, you know, uh, what's your favorite ship in the mass effect franchise? And Gamble responded with one that you haven't seen yet, which is so cool. Like he's they're they're so good at teasing. Like like that game is likely very far away, and they are likely still working on the very most basic parts of that game. 
But man, they just do such a good job, uh, or at least Mike Gamble does, of just like giving everyone just enough. Like I made a whole video on it. If you go to YouTube, look for Bond Diesel. I have a video about these tweets and, and it's more of doing like an update on what we know about where uh, production is at and stuff like that or from what we can glean uh, from what we've been told. Um, but it, it's at the very least, it's showing some confidence. It's it's showing some a little bit of cockiness uh, that I suspect We'll have some payoff in November when we have N7 day for 2023. Um, every N7 day since they announced this game has given like some significant info. Uh, 2022's was like chock full of teasers and things to decipher, which, you know, we're still talking about. And I suspect this next one will be even bigger. Um, I still think they have to hold back a little bit with their teasing and stuff of Mass Effect 4 or whatever they're going to call it because they likely are still working stuff out. And until Dreadwolf comes out, I think Bioware and EA are gonna be re reluctant to put the entire focus on Mass Effect because um, as they you know, seemingly finish up Dragon Age Dreadwolf, um, I, I think that they, they, they wanna try to not get in their own way. So we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But uh, I, I fully uh, expect to, uh, you know, be pretty excited for N7 Day. I think Mike Gamble is doing a great job of teasing us per usual. And uh, and I can't wait to get more. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. Okay, story number five. Uh, my game of the year thoughts and predictions after Baldur's Gate 3 and before Starfield. So this one is kind of complicated for me because uh, there's multiple games on the game of the year kind of conversation talking point. Um, that I haven't played and I'm just not going to play. I'm not going to play Final Fantasy. I'm not going to play Spider-Man 2. If it gets that talk, I'm not going to play Tears of the Kingdom, which I think for most people, at least for since it came out, has been the favorite to win and was kind of the assumed winner, I think, until Baldur's Gate came out. And I'm you know, still really holding out hope that maybe Starfield can put itself into that conversation as well. We'll have to wait and see for a couple of weeks at least. But it's it's interesting. What what I enjoy the most is um, I'm not like super enthused about Tears of the Kingdom. It's um, I think if I had any prospect of buying a Switch at this point, I'd maybe be more interested. Uh, but my thing is that after the first couple of years that the Switch was out, like you know, it, it's such a like a luddite or like just like a dumb take to be like, oh, the Switch sucks. You know, I'm gonna wait for the next one because the next one's probably gonna be outdated too when it comes out. Um, but it's just so hard for me to justify spending a few hundred bucks on like a device that was outdated when it came out like eight years ago. And so, you know, I, I just I don't have a switch. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, you know, all the streams and the playthroughs I've watched and, um, you know, I've really enjoyed like learning about the lore and seeing how people are enjoying it and stuff. But it's still just like to me and, and I suspect if my hands got on the game, I, I would disagree with myself here. I just it, it kind of seems like people are excited about like the idea of Zelda and, you know, thinking about like how much they loved Breath of the Wild and how Tears of the Kingdom took things from that game and like made it better uh, or kept it the same. And um, and, and, you know, to a lot of people, Breath of the Wild is one of, if not the greatest game ever made. And um, and tears, you know, because it's you know a slight improvement or maybe a major improvement over that game. People are kind of giving it that uh, respect uh, as well. But 
I, I think my issue is that, you know, when you're selecting a thing like a game of the year, you know, my take on that would be is I think you have to try to be somewhat objective. If, if you if you purely go off subjective feelings, I still think Tears of the Kingdom is going to run away with it. And it's been really interesting. You know, the, all, I watch a fair number of podcasts and, and, and um, videos by content creators in the gaming world and stuff. And it's really interesting how um like one of my biggest gripes is that there's a bunch of games that have come out final fantasy Baldur's gate three uh you know, you know dead space um hi-fi rush you know all of these games that are like have been in the talk for game of the year um that like a lot of journalists and stuff that i pay attention to like have barely played or haven't played at all because they're on like they're like 250th hour of tears of the kingdom and so a game that you can play that much that says something about that game obviously you can't dismiss that but then like i definitely think there's gonna be some issue with when these conversations happen at places like giant bomb kind of funny min max and, and all these places and and obviously the game awards with jeff Keeley, who um you know he pulls and gets votes from all over the industry including kind of funny giant bomb and, and, and various journalists and things like that and that's how he makes his list and and gets his winners for his show um, but even the individual shows i think we're going to run into this issue where like like for kind of funny tim gettys who's one of the founders of the channel uh of that podcast and that group as trey have just said like he loves Tears of the Kingdom. It's his game of the year. And he's not going to play Starfield because it's just not his thing. But it's like, I feel like, and that's fine. You know, that's his deal. That's what he prefers. I'm in the same boat, right? But I'm not a, like, full-time professional, you know, game commentator who, like, owns and runs a, you know, pretty well-respected gaming podcast where, like, the game of the year that Kind of Funny puts out, like, it doesn't matter. No, no one's game of the year, even the game awards. Like, those awards like they kind of don't matter they're just basically there for like if it's a game you like you cheer if it's a game you didn't like you boo but like the the conversations and how they get to game of the year and stuff like that i still think is is interesting and um you know i, I hope that those conversations aren't sullied by the fact that like you know like we're kind of funny if tim is on the you know in the discussion of what game of the year is well, he can't even talk about Starfield, which, you know, there may be other people on their staff who are going to say, like, yeah, this is my game of the year. This game blew my mind. It's amazing. I love it. And, and, you know, does that mean that every single pundit or journalist or commentator has to play every single game? And maybe not for themselves. I think if you're putting out your own game of the year and things like that. But I think if you're going to put throw your hat into a conversation about all of the biggest games of the year, then you should have legitimate, genuine experience with all of at least the top contenders. The big issue that we're going to run into here is that there's games like um, Dredge and Dave the Diver and for me, Planet of Lana and, you know, some like re uh, remakes like Dead Space and Resident Evil 4 and the Metroid uh, game where like, you know, some of those indie games in other years might might have won Game of the Year this year. Uh, some of those remakes may have won Game of the Year this year. I think Dead Space is fantastic. Um, but I think that when you have so many new, like legitimately new games, you kind of just have to put those games to pasture because no matter how good they are, 
they just in, in this kind of year, they just can't be part of the conversation. And what I hope for this year is I don't care who wins all the game of the year awards. It's probably going to be tears of the kingdom for a bunch of them. I just hope that the conversations are like interesting and nuanced. We're like last year, the conversation was like mostly Elden ring and then Ragnarok, the God of war sequel came out and it was like, it kind of shook the boat a little bit, but it was still mostly just like Elden ring was going to win everything. And like to the point where there were conversations in some of these video game commentator uh, shows and stuff where it was like, okay, we know Elden Ring's number one. Now what's number two? And the conversation for much of 2023 was the same. The conversation in 2023 was very much like, okay, Tears is the winner. What's going to be number two? Like that's the actual competition now. And that's when people were talking about Jedi Survivor, Hi-Fi Rush, uh, you know, the Dead Space remake, the Resident Evil 4 remake, and then Final Fantasy, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And what what I guess I'll wrap this conversation up with is the thing I think I appreciate the most about Baldur's Gate 3 is that it has at least I've seen a lot more people in the last month be willing to consider that maybe tears isn't the de facto winner this year. And I think that whether, you know, they vote for Baldur's Gate 3 or Final Fantasy or tears or Starfield or Spider-Man 2 that I think that Baldur's Gate 3 shook the boat just enough to get people out of the like tears of the kingdom trance that at least some of them are in. And, um, it will people who that there's more people now, uh, for their personal list or even for these big compilation list who may not, who may at least consider a different game. Now, maybe tears deserves it. I mean, it, it certainly seems like from a sales perspective, a review perspective, a, you know, just the way people talk about it perspective, it probably deserves game of the year, uh, in, in many cases, but, uh, I, I would just for selfishly like the conversation to be more complicated than that. All right. Story number six is, uh, Xbox's new strike system. So, uh, Xbox has implemented and uh, talked about a new disciplinary system uh, that has gotten some kind of mixed reviews. And so basically it's a system that you can track. You can you can log on to their uh, Xbox Live website and see what your situation is. But you basically get eight strikes before your account is like deactivated. And I've seen some people being like, well, that sure seems lenient. But what I don't think people have understood about it is that like if you call someone a butthead uh, and, and now there's a voice recording report system where you can like li literally capture what people are saying to you. If it's over Xbox live, uh, maybe over VoIP, I'm not sure, but like if you do something minor where you're like kind of like, like something like low key, then you can get suspended for like a day or it's something fairly short and you can get one strike of the eight. And then it goes away after a certain amount of time. If you don't get any more. Now, the thing is, is that if you um, do things like I believe it said that there was like if you like threaten physical harm, if you dox people and stuff like that, then you just instantly get all eight strikes and you're gone. Um, and then there are things like if you're, I assume, like racist and things like that, that will account there, too. But then if there's like if you're like really harassing, really vulgar, you can get more than one strike at a time or you can get multiple strikes for one interaction if you do multiple things that qualify. So this whole eight strikes thing isn't completely accurate it's more of like you know because you have to remember that you know uh, different uh, offenses can have different numbers of strikes so it's probably a better system than it's been given credit for um, at the end of the day 
uh, I believe stemming from a lawsuit uh, or, or some kind of litigation, Xbox has really been pushing a lot of this, um, trying to kind of wrangle in the toxicity and awfulness that you can find in online gaming communities and stuff like that. Especially, it's one thing if you're like on in a you know a live chat with all your friends and y'all are kind of poking fun at each other and being jerks. But it, it's another thing when you're playing in multiplayer games and inviting like strangers to a live uh, chat room and people are like berating you or being awful or even if it's over VoIP on various games that have that functionality. Um, I, I really think this stuff is important. The The big thing they're trying to protect is kids. Um, but I, you know, no one likes to be harassed and talked down to or talked badly to. So um, I'm glad that they're doing this. I'm sure there's going to be naysayers who are saying that everyone's too sensitive nowadays. I, I, I don't care about that we um you know we should be nicer to each other so i'm glad there's something pushing for that okay uh the second to last story is like kind of related actually the two last stories are like sort of gaming related uh the first one is more of a if you if you've seen this around but you don't understand what's going on uh, is the linus tech tips situation um uh, linus tech tips is a youtube channel that's been around quite a while it's one of if not the biggest uh, you know, tech-based uh, YouTube channels. Um, it's it's led by, it was created by Linus Sebastian, who has a long history in the kind of computer and gaming industry, mostly on the hardware side uh, of, of PCs. And Linus Tech Tips has become this conglomerate, this big, you know, channel where they have multiple shows under their umbrella. They have a, they have a Macintosh show. They have a gaming channel. They have a... Uh, you know, they, they, they have all of these like kind of specialized channels and then they still have their kind of classic content and stuff like that. And what um, what happened is um, first they had a product sent to them that they tested incorrectly and derided the 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 product pretty bad. And it ended up that that product was a the only uh, sample product that that company had. This is a kind of a small two-person company that's making uh, these like cooling blocks for CPUs and uh, graphics cards. Uh, and so not only did they they test it out on the wrong kind of graphic card that wasn't meant to be used on, which obviously gave it subpar results. They then gave the thing away at one of their at their this big conference they hold. And so there was a bunch of controversy about that and how that was, you know, pretty dumb. And then uh, a uh, another tech channel called Gamers Nexus uh, put out a video talking about that and then also talking about how um, this Linus Tech Tips, you know, th their main channel does a lot of hardware reviews and supposed testing with this big like multi hundred thousand dollar lab they've put together to to try to you know test products and become like a good baseline for comparing products and uh this gamers nexus video pointed out that like they are they're making tons of mistakes like they are just messing stuff up on these reviews and this testing constantly um and they're they're fixing some of it and they're not fixing some of it and they're like stealth fixing some of it but never telling anyone they were originally wrong and um and that blew up and that was bad enough 
And uh, then it came out that one of the former employees, a, a woman who worked there for a short time, uh, came out and basically alleged a bunch of mental abuse, even, you know, sexual harassment and uh, like unwanted touching incidents and that she reported a bunch of stuff to HR. But HR is Linus's wife and another employee and that there's basically alleged that there was just a bunch of issues and that they weren't being handled very well, if at all. Um, Linus himself has a history of putting his foot in his mouth. He says lots of dumb things and ends up having to pull him back. And then they kind of end up making jokes about him. Um, he never fully takes anything seriously. It seems like at least in my opinion, um, he's also got some kind of weird views that people don't love on. Uh, he's like very anti-union. Uh, and in that it's where he said that he, if his employees ever wanted to be in a union, he would feel like he failed. Now what he's trying to say is that, he thinks that he can make working conditions good enough that people shouldn't need a union. Um, but you know, that's not really how these things work. And unfortunately humans are very fallible. And, uh, even though we think we're doing the right thing, uh, many times we often aren't. And so this whole situation led to them putting a, uh, doing a, they're taking a week break from content for them to kind of, um, look inwards and try to figure out some stuff that's going on, maybe slow down with their content pipeline. Um, the, this last day, I believe when they didn't post a video is the first time that they haven't posted a daily video for that channel ever <laughs> in many, many years. And so that's a big deal. Um, they've even claimed that they're going to bring in an outside investigator to investigate the, um, uh, allegations by the ex employee. Um, there's mixed opinions on that, that it's probably just going to be like a show thing. There's probably very little evidence or anything to really gather in an investigation. It's mostly going to be for show, but it's better than nothing. Maybe, um, uh, it's just an interesting situation. So if, if you aren't a fan of Linus tech tips, which I wouldn't call myself a fan, but I do watch, <laughs> I do like a lot of their content. Um, I just also don't like some of the people that they have involved in that company that kind of keeps me from being like a quote unquote fan of them. Um, but the whole situation is very interesting and I'm really curious to how it's going to work out for them in the long run, because, um, you know, they've made a lot of hiccups, but they've always recovered. But this seems like it's a bigger deal than anything that's ever happened before. So we'll have to wait and see. And then the final thing is it's more talking about like how to get a hold of me and stuff like that. Twitter, which I, is what I'm always going to call it. I'm never going to change. Uh, supposedly, the new ownership has decided that they, they are at least claiming that they are going to remove the ability to block other accounts uh, anywhere except for DMs, uh, direct messages. The only reason I'm still on Twitter and while for a couple of years, I've really enjoyed Twitter is because of blocks, because I was able to basically, you know, delete a bunch of, you know, really awful people that, um, from my situation. And I've been able to pretty peacefully enjoy Twitter for years now. Um, I've seen a lot of people say like, well, just mute people. The problem with muting on Twitter is that they can still see all your tweets. They can still reply to your tweets and say awful things. They can still quote tweet you and do all kinds of things and you just won't see it. So you could be getting harassed and you may not know, but anyone who follows you will see it, which I think is almost worse. And so I've gone to a block only policy. I will only block people. <laughs> and so if they get rid of blocks and they reverse all of that, I'm going to have a hard time being on Twitter at all. Um, 
that's just my take on it at least. So um, I suspect I will always you know, be posting content to there at least while it's active enough to justify um, but you know, I have a blue sky account. You can find me as bond diesel on there. I have a threads account. You can find me there. I have an Instagram where I'm bond underscore diesel. Um, you know, really the best place to find me is my discord, which you can find in the link tree link, either in the description or in the comments. And, um, or maybe just like I post a lot of community posts over on YouTube. So if you want to chat on there, uh, as long as I, you have a name I can recognize, I know Twitter is not going anywhere for a long time, and I know a lot of people are going to keep using it, including myself, but I definitely find myself logging or, or checking Twitter at least half as much as I used to, if not less. Um, I hate that stupid logo. I hate that they, they, they're trying to remove any you know memory of what tweets were that they existed. Um, and then this stuff is just only getting worse. And um, the, the real bummer about this is that if they remove that, it's going to be a pain for me because there's going to be a bunch of pieces of junk who are going to have access to me again. Um, but even worse, really, is that I mostly stick around Twitter for like game dev Twitter. And I love like interacting with or at least seeing what game devs have to say and, and things like that. And game devs are just going to leave Twitter in droves if this happens, because I would assume that even, you know, in a much larger scale than myself, the only way that they've been able to stay on Twitter is by blocking people who are trolling them for games they've made or where they work or whatever. So it seems like Twitter is, you know, I don't know if it's getting worse or better. You know, it depends on your, you know, subjective opinion, I suppose. Uh, but it definitely seems like it's start, it's trying to cater to an audience that I am not a part of. And then that's a real bummer because there's absolutely been times where I really, really liked Twitter and got to meet some really interesting people because of it. And I just, um, yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. So we'll, we'll have to see where that goes, but I'm all over the place, including right here on this podcast. If you want to find me. We got one listener question this week. If you have your own questions, please be sure to check out the Google form questionnaire that I post on my Twitter and uh, over on the discord. You can ask in the discord any questions or propose any topics uh, or in the YouTube comments, or you can hit me up on any social media places uh, that you want or can find me. This week's question comes from Master Prime. He says, do you think Xbox will launch an upgrade to the Series X or S? I think that's a good question. Um, I think it, it's been really interesting seeing this conversation because, you know, with the way that the Series S is supposedly holding back Baldur's Gate 3 from coming out on Xbox, I think there is a lot more to that story than we know about. Um, and that's a, maybe a discussion we can have a different day. Um, but it, the simple fact is, is that the Series S is a less powerful machine than the X. But we knew that from the start. The problem is, is that the Series S was always kind of like proposed as a like 1440p console uh, and the X was supposed to be the 4K console. And the way things look like they're actually working out is that the Series X is going to be like the 1440p console and that the Series S is going to be like the dynamic 720 to 1080p console. And even then, it's kind of not seemingly be able to hold up in, in, on its side of that bargain. And so it, it seems like I think they, you know, they have to respect all the people who bought Series S's. 
uh, my uh, assumption with that console for since it came out was that it, it was going to be a pretty primary console to use, uh, you know, like the hardware of it on all of these cross-gen games that have come out over the last couple of years. But I just always assumed it was never going to be like the, a console that was going to continue on to the entire generation. Um, I always kind of assumed that at some point it would utilize this supposed game streaming that Xbox is going to put out eventually. Um, and if, if, if that doesn't make sense right now, you can stream, um, you know, you can stream or do like remote console with any game pass game, um, streaming, I think remote, you can do any game that you own. The, the problem is, is that say, um, like the division two, I don't think you can stream that just because you own it because it's uh, assuming it's not on game pass i can't remember if it is or not so my thought was always that like any games that the series s couldn't run well and uh, that it was holding back quote unquote would just be streamed it's kind of like what the nintendo switch does uh, the switch plays a lot of its games natively but a lot of its ports like the witcher 3 and stuff like that actually i think that game is native but there are there's ports on the switch that are played purely through streaming uh it's i assume because nintendo's online system is awful uh and because it's not a very powerful console in the first place the streaming experience probably isn't amazing but the series s is absolutely powerful enough to like stream like 1080p streams really good i bet even 2k and maybe even 4k streams okay and so i always assumed that was the natural future for the s that the Series X would eventually become the like middle ground console and that before the end of the gen that they'll release like a Series X Pro that will have some, you know, relatively boosted uh, hardware. But who knows? I, I definitely think at some point they put out a more powerful console that will still be part of this current gen. Uh, all the rumors are is that there is a slim PS5 coming like really soon. And then that there's probably like a PS5 Pro coming probably next year or in early 2026. But again, people need to keep in mind that we're we're probably like halfway through this current gen when it comes to hardware. There's a really good chance that in four or five years, we're going to have the PS6 and whatever Xbox is going to call their next console. And so, you know, I've predicted in the past, I think that Microsoft could stop the generation thing entirely because they do such a good job with um not really having gens when it came like like when you buy a new xbox a new gen it doesn't leave all the games before behind you can still play all of those especially now with xbox live and game pass and all that and so in theory xbox could perpetually just release new systems every few years and then phase out the ones that are like two or three gens behind and just do that forever and never truly have like a next gen xbox or maybe they will. Maybe they'll try to keep competing with PlayStation in that way, which I don't think they should. I think they, they lost that war a long time ago. Um, they, you know, they should be focusing on their own thing, but we'll see. So, yes, I believe we will see an upgrade to those. I think we'll see an upgrade uh, to the PS5 as well. Uh, and then we have what is presumed to be like the Switch 2 uh, probably coming out in 2024. So there we go. 
And that's where I'm going to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, be on the lookout for the branding change. Uh, we'll be looking at the bonfire, uh, a video game podcast moving forward after this week. Next week will be the 250th episode. I wanted to try the lineup, some interviews and stuff, but it just probably isn't going to work out. I may try to do something last minute uh, to kind of make that episode special, uh, but we'll see. Either way, with N7 Day coming up and stuff, I will obviously have some guests on the show probably after N7 Day. Um, here in a, here in a few months, um, you know, especially uh, specifically in Seven Legend, uh, to talk about what they show us and to do our speculation and all of that. Um, you know, there, there's uh, devs on uh, the Ubisoft Avatar game who I've invited on the show after that game comes out. Uh, I definitely think the Ubisoft Star Wars game I will be able to get some people on, uh, assuming uh, assuming that's next year. And uh, so things are coming and I will, uh, I would really love to get some Mass Effect people on here, uh, you know, former or current. Uh, so we'll have to see if I can pull that at some point. But yeah, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch, where I try to stream a few times a week and starting next week should be able to stream more consistently again now that my wife is back to work and we're getting back into our normal routine uh, and on tuesday i do plan on streaming uh the uh, gamescom opening night live i don't have high hopes for that show i think it's gonna be super boring because it always is it's very much a keely show uh, but there could still be some cool stuff to see and i'm willing to at least check it out so if you want to support this channel, this podcast, all of my other content, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Uh, subscribe over at Twitch, especially if you have an Amazon Prime sub that you can use every month for free. Uh, or check out my merch at the link in the description below. That is the link tree link. I actually think my merch looks pretty cool, um, even though no one ever buys it. So feel free to grab a mug or something if you want. That's all I have for this one. So until next time. I'm <laughs> sorry.